Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Clint Curry. Last week, we kicked off our very first episode on Return to Truth. And what an amazing podcast episode that was. If you haven't yet listened to it, make sure you go back and give it a listen. It's called Proving the Bible. All right, before we begin this week's episode, let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and glorify your name in all that we do. We pray, Father, that the words spoken today will be for your glory. I pray that these words will go out to all of those listening and be a blessing, a guiding light of truth to all that hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, the title of today's episode is, Who is Jesus? In Matthew 16, we read, when Jesus asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That's Matthew 16, 13 through 17. You know, that question, who do you say that I am, is something everyone will have to answer someday. Hopefully, through this podcast, you will discover the truth of who Jesus really is. You know, in the Bible, Jesus Christ is the incarnate Word of God, fully human and fully divine, Savior of the world. Jesus goes by many names and titles in the Bible. There are over 200 different names and titles of Jesus in the Bible. Savior, Redeemer, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, Son of the Living God, Creator, and that's just to name a few. The list actually goes on and on. Really, in just a couple of words, Jesus is. And this is just the same for God, as they are both one. John 14, 19 says, Jesus said to him, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus says in John 8, 58, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, I exist. I am all, and I am in all. And I am God, and he is in me. In the very last book of the Bible, Revelations 22:13, Jesus reveals himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Present at the world's beginning, Jesus will also be present at its end. Jesus is the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Honestly, I think if we were to truly understand this idea of a name or title of Jesus, the whole concept, we couldn't really comprehend it. There is so much more to Jesus than just a name or a title, but the magnitude of what he is is actually indescribable. But I'm getting way ahead of myself here. Let's start from the beginning. Where did Jesus come from? Jesus came from heaven, a place of celestial beauty. John 6:38 says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus has a heavenly kingdom that's not of this world, a place beyond the stars. John 18:36 says, Jesus saith, My kingdom is not of this world. Jesus gave up heaven, a perfect paradise, a kingdom unlike anything we have ever known. He gave up a life of absolute beauty, power, glory, and freedom. He was a king. 
In return for that, Jesus came to a place of suffering, pain, torment, trials, and burdens. He left a life of contentment and into a life of misery. He suffered just like you and I. He was a king in heaven, but a poor carpenter on earth. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. As an amazing verse. Further thought into this, thousands of angels were all around him, always at his side, doing the work for him. On earth, thousands of humans all around him. And he was doing the work for them. Healing, saving, and telling of the good news. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, his life here on earth was probably pretty lonely because no one really understood him or his true purpose except the Father. From riches to poverty, growing up in Nazareth, I'm sure wasn't even easy at all. John 1.46 says, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip answered, Come and see. Yes, good can come from Nazareth. Jesus was constantly tempted, in even more ways than you and I right now on this earth. Think about that for a moment. Satan was doing all he could to destroy the plan of salvation. Day and night he was not at rest, always at war with the tempter. The weight he must have carried would have been crushing. His life while sinless was not perfect from mental anguish, agony, suffering, and pain. While we look at Jesus as being the Savior, we often forget that he was still human. Where was he born? The birth of Jesus was nearly 2,000 years ago. I think we all know the story of Jesus at this point, and we don't need one day a year to celebrate his birth. His birth is an everlasting celebration, a world-changing event. But just in case you don't know, let's give you a bit of a refresher, a shortened version of the story, and we can touch base on a few key points that really tell us who he is. The New Testament contains two Christmas stories, not one. The events surrounding Jesus' birth are taken from two Gospels, Matthew and Luke. Here's an interesting fact. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The word Bethlehem means house of bread. What's interesting about that is the Bible states that Jesus is the bread of life. John 6.35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now that's a pretty interesting thought. The bread of life in Bethlehem, the house of bread. That's pretty cool. Okay, the story of Jesus' birth linked to both the past and the future. Let's look further at both books of the Bible and see what it tells us about Jesus and who he is. In Matthew it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Luke it says, 
But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those who his favor rest. That's not really an ideal place to give birth, a manger. And that's actually a long open box or a trough for horses or cattle to eat from. How many people will take a moment to truly comprehend what has happened here in this story of Christ? Reflecting back on this and taking it all in, I've got to say that it's very reassuring. We can actually have peace. What we have here is something indescribable. The very words in these texts tell us all that we need to know about Jesus. The texts state, A Savior is born, God with us, great joy, and don't miss the next part, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, I think to truly understand who he really is, we need to know why he came to earth in the first place. And to understand that, we actually have to look back further and ask the next question, what is sin? In the Oxford Dictionary, it is described as an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law of God. 1 John 3, 4 says, Sin is the transgression of the law. In other words, it is a failure to do what is right, which results in the breaking of God's law. Sin is acting or behaving in a way that does not conform with God's character or commands. And simply put, sin is selfishness. It blinds us and puts us in a state of mind that only focuses on yourself. Sin had its beginning with Lucifer, and it will have its end with Lucifer. Lucifer, one of God's most beautiful angels, selfishness was the driving motive for him. He wanted it all. He could not handle the idea that God was higher and greater than he is. And that was his downfall. Here is how it began. Another story that we know oh so well. Genesis 3, 1 through 6 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. So what's happened here is we lost our way. Our connection was broken to our Creator, and we were cut off. What was once beautiful and perfect is now left in ruins. Sin is a disease, a corruption of what was once perfect, what was once holy and blameless, and it, sin, is in everything now. You know, look around this world. Turn on the news, or maybe don't. You may not like what you see. You would have to actually be blind not to see it anyhow. Sin comes in many forms, 
and it is slowly destroying us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 1 John 1.8-9 says, If we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and pure us from all unrighteousness. Why did Jesus come? Only one thing could restore what was lost, and that is Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice to end all others. Jesus came to die on a cross, suffer an inexplicable death so that we could live. The Son of God, the creator of this world, gave his life for the creation. Now think about that for just one moment and how amazing that actually is. Imagine for a moment, if you will, the crucifixion. The hard, splintered wooden cross pushing into his back. The pain from the nails that's tearing into his hands. The crown of thorns that's pushing into his brow. There he was, taking the pain, suffering, and the sin of the entire world on his shoulders. For someone like you and I. For someone who doesn't even know him. And for some who even reject him. You know, that is a reckless love. A love like any other. But that's what it took. With sin in the way, we couldn't have an everlasting relationship with God. We were doomed to eternal death. But John 3.16 says otherwise. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When is the last time you heard the words, so loved? Sounds like something straight out of a love story. It says in this verse that God gave his only Son, now, how many could give your only son or child as a living sacrifice for this world? It also says, for whosoever shall believe. You know, it's so much more than just knowing who he is. Believe means to be like. How are you to be like Christ? By following after him, by keeping his commandments. You know, there are conditions attached to this. Sure, it's a free gift, but there are some gifts you can't leave unattended. Plants need watering. Pets need to be fed, and the gift of God requires an obedient heart. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Looking further into John 3, 16, it says, Shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, praise God, we actually have a choice with that. Perish or eternal life, you have a choice. What's the opposite of eternal life? Eternal death. Perish means complete annihilation. Jesus came to this earth to show us the Father. He came to be your substitute, a sacrifice for sin. I will give you my life, he says, and remove the curse from you. I will remove your heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. One of the many names of Jesus is the Lamb of God. Why a lamb? Because a lamb in the Bible was used as a sacrifice. It symbolizes purity, righteousness, spotlessness, innocence, and above all else, holiness. Revelations 5.12 says, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Here's a quote from a Bible commentary book called Desire of Ages that I really enjoyed. Christ was treated as we deserve, that we may be treated as he deserves. He was condemned for our sins, in which he had no share that we might be justified by his righteousness, in which we had no share. He suffered the death which was ours, that we might receive the life which was his, and by his stripes we are healed.
It could only be the Son of God, and no other would do. The most beautiful thing in the world is when you realize that it had to be the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice, untouched by the sin of this world. The love of God is truly indescribable when you think about this. To give his only son to someone whose sins held him to the cross is a love that is beyond all comprehension. In John 1, 29, it says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, so who is Jesus? Simply put, Jesus is our only hope against the sins of this world. He is all we have, and at the same time, he is the best that we have. Jesus was God and man in one person. Jesus is our lifeline, and through Jesus, paradise is restored. Jesus is just as if we never sinned. Now, the next question is, do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with your creator? Jesus is calling out to you right now. He wants you to experience everlasting peace and joy. He gave his life for you so that you could have an eternal life with him. The final question really should be, what can you give him in return? And for me to answer that question, it is really simple. All I can give is myself, my life for his. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We have so much more coming your way. Please remember to subscribe or follow this podcast channel and stay tuned for our next episode as we return to truth.